This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to Safety Talks, a podcast about all things safety, as defined by you with your host, Steve Sisson, on Safety FM. Well, good morning, everyone. It is Friday, and this is Safety Talks with Steve Sisson. It has been a while since I put out a podcast, and I'm going to get back onto it now that uh, now that I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> Today's com- conversation is going to be about transportation, and that's the space in safety that I live in, and it's a lot to do with transportation safety, compliance, operations, you know, and it's primarily in the public transportation section or sector, whatever you like to call it. There's a lot of reasons why I do safety and transportation. One of them, it's I've been in the industry for quite a few years now. Something that I know very well, I'm very good at being able to identify, you know, where we're going to have problems and where and where and how we need to fix them. Some cases it's fixable, other times it's not. You know, you give drivers and operations managers and safety managers all the tools to get things done appropriately and properly. But at the end of the day, once that driver's out there on their own, it's up to them to make the right decisions, to be able to look out for the errors of others, to make sure that their passengers are safe and having a comfortable ride. They don't only have to deal with the general public's driving, they also need to deal with the passengers. So essentially you have a bus full of people that you're responsible for their safety and you're also a customer service manager on that bus. Um, not to mention, you're also uh, incident commander if something goes wrong, at least initially until authorities or supervisors show up. There's a lot of different things that go into it. And you know, we say that you know bus driving is a very easy job, and, and at its core, it, it is. It's an easy job. It's something that you make sure your vehicle doesn't come in contact with anything else and your passengers are safe. Um, it's not always that easy though. It's a very stressful job, especially when you have people on your bus that may be uh, difficult to deal with and it affects your mood. It affects the way you you handle yourself. Um, and as you get flustered in driving, then you got to deal with traffic and other drivers. And I'll tell you, primarily, I deal with people at airports. So not only are we dealing with drivers that may not be able to drive so well, we're also dealing with people that may be lost, not understanding where they're going, looking at their cell phone. But the real reason I got into safety is because I want to help people be safe and not get injured. And, And that's all walks of life. That's from the driver to the general public to the pedestrians to cyclists to anybody who comes in contact with the bus. And it's all about human lives and well-being. At the end of the day, our drivers want to come in. They want to get their their job done and go home. And if you can make some tips along the way and you're allowed to accept tips, even better. Um, You know, making sure people get to where they need to go and, and, and our riders, making sure that they're safe is always one of our top priorities. But with that being said, we need to make sure that our drivers get taken care of because there's a lot of things that a driver has to deal with on a daily basis. And in most cases, especially in the bus transportation industry, there's a lot of camera systems in the buses. 
So not only did the drivers have to worry about the general public, the passengers, the lost people on the road, pedestrians, cyclists, they also got to worry about a camera pointing at their face. And anytime they make an error and set off the camera, management's going to call them in and have a discussion. Uh, and that's a stressor. That's a stressor for the drivers. But, you know, I know us in the safety industry say, well, if the driver's doing everything correct, um, we won't have to call them in. Well, those managers should get behind the wheel once in a while. It's not quite as easy as you think. You know, you hit a pothole in the road, the camera turns on, you're doing 17 in a 15 mile zone or 39 and a 35 and you're going to get gigged or dinged or whatever you want to call it on the camera system. And somebody's going to call you in and they're going to want to coach you. Even though you really didn't break an egregious law, technically you did break a law. So it's up to management to make sure that they're following up and doing um, doing their coaching as necessary. One of the biggest things that we see, especially in the airport industry, is not making complete st stops at stop signs. That is something that's very easy to do, but with the amount of stop signs our drivers see with zero traffic nearby, it becomes easy um, to make that rolling stop. Now, that's not right. It's not right and we need to stop those. We need to make complete stops and look because y'all know of the safety pyramid and the 331 or 329-1 or whatever ratio you wanna give it. That is potentially gonna happen. Eventually, you're gonna make an error so many times that it's going to lead to a collision. And we're going to be on the other end as management going, see if you would have just stopped. But it's management's fault sometimes as well because they didn't enforce that stopping in the first place. You may have had an individual or bus driver that may have failed to stop at that stop sign hundreds of times and you just coach them every time rather than showing them how to do it right. Even though that seems repetitive and a lot of people will argue, people know how to stop at a stop sign. Why do I need to retrain them? Well, you do that for liability purposes mainly. I mean, we understand that drivers know how to stop, but if we keep them employed and they're not stopping, and then there becomes a major issue or collision or fatality or injuries or whatever it may be, that opens us up for additional liability. There's a lot that can be said on the camera systems, and, and now I'm kind of moving off my main topic. I mean, it's still in the same realm of topics, but now I'm, I'm kind of moving out there a little bit because I want to talk about cameras for a little while. There are all kinds of different cameras. Um, you know, you have your triggered cameras, the ones that will only turn on when there's a trigger of a, you know, swerve, heartbreak, um, rapid acceleration, different things like that. Um, there's the other ones that are constantly running, constantly recording. Um, they may be still somewhat of a trigger um, event where it'll record and it'll just say, you know, give management an alert and say, hey, something happened here. And then you got to go and find it, maybe pull it from an SD card, which has become an old technology. Um, and now, you know, a lot of different companies are out there using AI. They're out there able to not only look at the driver's face and see if there's fatigue or if they've taken their eyes off the road or they 
you know, for, for longer than two to three seconds, it'll, it'll uh, kind of gig them. There are external AI cameras, which recognize a stop sign. And if the driver doesn't stop, it will trigger the camera so management can see. So there's a lot that the drivers have to deal with. And, and one of the main things that I, I wanted to talk about here is what we do with those events. You know, a lot of systems and you have you ha your smart drives, your drive cams, Samsara's, <clears throat> excuse me, all kinds of different camera systems out there. And they all operate just a little bit differently, but it's up to us as management to work with those cameras and our drivers to eliminate as many of those safety infractions that we can find. Um, talked about it a few minutes ago. If you do have a major accident, you have tons of video events, which are discoverable um, if you are sued. Um, and it's gonna be uh, pretty bad when it comes to having to defend that when an attorney asks you, because if you're a safety manager or a manager and you get deposed, they're gonna ask you, why didn't you do anything about it? And your answer is going to be, well, I did sometimes. That's not gonna fly, especially if it goes to jury trial, they're gonna make you look very bad. So we need to really take, um, take good consideration of how we handle each event. Um, now let's let's move back on to you know transportation and, and why safety and transportation is important because that's I believe where I started. You know, there's a big thing about public confidence. Public confidence. You know, if if you see a bus system um, that is having lots of accidents, you tend to want to stay away from those buses, and people don't want to ride that those buses. Therefore, your revenue starts to decline. In our industry, you know, we do a lot of transportation from parking lots at airports. And if we were known as an unsafe operation, it's typically not the company that I'm working with that people will say that company is unsafe. They will look at the name on that bus and say they operate an unsafe bus system. And the name on the bus typically is associated with an airport's name. So. I don't know, I live in Phoenix, so let's just use Phoenix. Phoenix bus system, which by the way, at the airport I don't think exists anymore. Um, but if we were to operate unsafe, it would say Phoenix Sky Harbor. So Phoenix Sky Harbor would then have a bad reputation for bus servers. Now, ultimately if that happened, the contract would be switched out with a different third party uh, contractor to run that system, but it's public perception. Even in a transit system, if you have even a third party operator running your transit and they have lots of accidents, they're known for rude drivers, um, it's not the subcontractor who takes the brunt of it. It typically is the authority who is um, contracting that work out. So in Phoenix itself, it would be um, <laughs> Valley Metro, sorry, totally forgot. So it would be the city of Phoenix Valley Metro transit system who would take the brunt of all of the bad customer service and feedback. And then when you get into the public sector, you really run into all of a sudden now there's articles being uh, written about how unsafe your system is and, and your ridership declines. And even though that the fare collection is a small portion of you know how much it costs to run a uh, city transportation agency, uh, the more revenue you get from there, the more it helps. It's just the taxpayer money in most cases. There's also a lot of um, things that we need to do to make sure that we have a very good 
reputation and it, and it has to do with the customer service aspect. Customer service is very important and, and I always tell people, and you can tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, this is just the way I believe, that when you hire a new bus driver, even if they don't have a CDL or maybe it doesn't require a CDL to operate their vehicle, I always tell them to hire for customer service, we can train driving. And for the most part, that is true. Um, there are some times that we do get people in that may have great customer service and just can't figure out how to operate a bus. I've had many people decide after getting behind the wheel um, that this job's not for them. They're just not comfortable operating such a large vehicle, which is fine. Um, that's when you wanna find out that they are not able to do it. You don't wanna you know, find somebody who can drive but's a horrible customer service person and you're getting complaint after complaint about their behavior and their attitude and how they treat their, their passengers or patrons. So um, I always say hire customer service. We can, we can train the driving aspect. And if not, we can find out very quick if they can handle it or, or not, especially when it comes to training, if the agency is doing training properly, um, which usually includes getting them in a closed course with cones and seeing how they maneuver the vehicle. That's where we really want to, to weed out most of the people who cannot drive. A closed course is, is something that um, I find essential because it's very telling. Not only is it how can they handle the vehicle, it's their confidence level and it's their trainability. Are they trainable? Um, I get a lot of people who have come through our systems that you know may have been driving for 20, 30 years, maybe a tractor trailer, maybe a trash truck, whatever it may be and they get behind the wheel of a bus and they're not confident, confident, but they've been driving so long that they feel like they know everything and they can't be trained. And the people who can't be trained, um, we really don't want them in the system because you need somebody who's trainable, who will listen, take advice from the people who know how to operate the vehicle and employ those tactics that they've been given and it's 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 a lot it's a lot on the trainer to be able to identify that quickly we want to do it quickly because we don't want to waste a bunch of time and money in training uh, the drivers that may not continue with the program there's a lot of other things that go into driving and we've talked about the cameras we've talked about the drivers um, we've talked about the customer service um, there's more when it comes to the maintenance of the vehicles and the competency of our maintenance staff. You know, we are transporting people. It's not like a tractor trailer. It's not like a box truck that if I hard brake, I have materials that fall down. Materials don't sue you, typically. Maybe the people who own the material might, but the, the materials don't. If you have a bus full of people and you have a hard braking situation, um, passengers fall down. Now. Going back to maintenance, it's very important that our maintenance people understand that they're out there to provide a safe, reliable bus because if something happened with those brakes and we had to hard stop or the brakes seized up or whatever it may be and passengers fall down, passengers get injured. And I don't know if you've ridden a bus lately, but mainly, or in most cases I should say, when you're sitting in a bus, you have a few seats that face forward just like you'd be sitting in a car, and you have a lot of seats that face sideways. So that means if there's a heartbreaking situation, 
you, well, the passengers are forced to use their abdomen to hold them in position rather than falling down. And as we know, especially in America, the most weakest part on a, on a person's body is their abs, their abdomen. So they don't have a lot of muscle to hold them from falling down and they typically go down. And when they go down, they go down hard. It's never just a nice little, oh, I fell down, let me get back up. Well, it is sometimes, but most of the time it's they fall hard and they do have some sort of injury. The other aspect of maintenance is not put on the maintenance department, it's put on the driver. It's the pre-trip and post-trip inspections to make sure that they're being done right so our maintenance department knows what to do. You know, without our drivers telling them what to do, they're gonna do their general PMIs, their annual inspections, you know, their different levels of inspections, A, B, or C, or however you guys categorize it, and they're gonna do it and fix what they find. But that doesn't, doesn't mean they're gonna find everything because they're not out there operating the bus for eight to 12 to 14 hours a day, obviously different drivers, um, and they don't know the nuances of the vehicle as well, in some cases, as the bus driver does. So we rely on the bus driver to tell maintenance exactly what to do, and we do that by the driver vehicle inspection report. Now, that gets me into this, the uh, compliance issues when it comes to uh, driving a bus and doing inspections. If our drivers are not reporting what is wrong, our maintenance isn't know, gonna know what to fix. Now, conversely, if our drivers are reporting it, we need to make sure it is getting fixed. There's a lot of deferred maintenance out there and some of it's justifiable. You know, cosmetic issues, um, things that are not safety related, um, but when it comes to some of the major components, the operation of the vehicle, engine compartments, brakes, hydraulics, things like that need to be fixed right away. Now, our maintenance typically, and I shouldn't say our maintenance, I should say maintenance, typically are very skilled. They understand the equipment they're working with, and it's something that uh, they spend a lifetime learning. That's a skilled labor. It's something that not everybody can do. Um, just like being a bus operator, bus driver, not everybody can do it, but I would guess more people can drive buses than can fix them. And just by the mechanic to bus driver ratio, uh, I think that's pretty prevalent. So if we don't maintain our vehicles or report what needs to be fixed and maintained, uh, we do run ourselves into a whole lot of risk issues, especially when it comes to uh, vehicle accidents and they will subpoena or they will uh, discover the maintenance records on all the vehicles and they will go through it with a fine tooth comb. So we need to make sure that we um, are reporting and fixing appropriately. And on the compliance side, you need to make sure that you have all the documentation in order, it's being filed correctly and all that good stuff. That has been a lot to say about transportation in the bus industry and talking about our drivers, inspections, uh, maintenance, uh, I'm going to leave you with, and we talked about cameras, and I'm going to leave you with one final thing, and it's the driver's mental state. Now, it's very important that we see our drivers every day. At dispatch, sometime throughout the day, we see our drivers. Now, I know there's some, some agencies out there that, that have thousands of drivers. Some have dozens of drivers, so it's easier. Um, but we also have supervisors, we also have people on the road, we also have our ridership who will tell us if there's a problem with our drivers. 
So there's a lot of things we need to do. We need to make sure that first and foremost, our drivers are coming to, coming to work sober and ready to work. Um, Federal Motor Carrier, you know, has drug and alcohol regulations put in place. And one of those is reasonable suspicion. So if you see somebody who's acting out of the ordinary, you know, maybe it's time to take a second look. Uh, unfortunately, I've been involved in a few cases uh, where not only have our drivers been under the influence while driving, in one or two cases, they've been actually drinking while driving, and they've been arrested once an accident took place, but nobody's been able to tell us how long they've been doing that and how long they've been doing it successfully. They come to work sober, they drink during the day while they're driving. Now, I will say that's not with my previous or my current company, or this is years ago, and I haven't heard about it in like 10 years, uh, but it has happened. Now, what you do find is come Monday morning after the Super Bowl, uh, Johnny comes to work and his eyes are glossy and you can tell he got three hours of sleep and may have just finished drinking. That happens more regularly. Um, and typically, uh, we don't find people who are under the influence of drugs too often. Sometimes we do, but most of the time what we find is we get uh, people pop positive on a random test. So that's why it's very important that you make sure you get eyes on your operators every day to make sure that you're taking a look at them, making sure that they're physically uh, and mentally ready to work. Because again, they're driving people. People get injured. People rely on bus services to get them from point A to point B. With that, if you have any questions, any comments or concerns, you disagree with me, you want to debate me, Please reach out to me. You can find my contact information on my LinkedIn profile, Steve Sisson. And this has been Safety Talks with Steve Sisson. Everybody, have a safe day. Talk to you soon.